Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight. Glad to have you with us there online, whether you're on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, any of those platforms, be sure to heart, to like, to share. Uh, subscribe there on YouTube, uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, and then retweet us on Twitter. All that has helps to get it out there to more people. Uh, it's like you can get a free invite right here tonight. Just put it on there and it'll go to all your friends. I uh, also wanna welcome those who are with us on our phone live streaming. If you need that number, uh, please call the church. We'll be glad to give that to you. If you need it in person, I'll be glad to give that to you uh, at the end of the service. I also wanna encourage you, if you have access at home, to the church website. Go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's over under the info tab uh, there that you can download the worship bulletin uh, for today, the children's worship bulletins. Those are in the windowsills to my right, the children's bulletin over here to my right, the others around uh, the church here. So be sure to get those, get it downloaded if you can. Uh, some uh, upcoming things that are in there that you'll want to know about. Uh, and then also under that info tab, especially for tonight, is the prayer list. If you need that in person, those are on the front pews here uh, for you to pick up. So I encourage you to get that uh, downloaded at home. If you wanna give us a prayer request from home, we encourage you to go over to Facebook uh, and to comment there under the comments. Uh, now to make a comment, you do I think have to be uh, subscribed there to Facebook or have to be a, have a, an account there on Facebook. You can watch us on Facebook without an account. Uh, but we encourage you to go there and make any requests for prayer there. Uh, that's where we'll see on the live for you to share that. Uh, you can comment on any of the other platforms, YouTube, Twitter, uh, but we won't see those during the live. We'll catch those afterwards. Uh, you can call the church office uh, also, and we'll be glad to include your prayer requests on the prayer list. And then also want to encourage you, while you're there on the church website, go to the far right-hand side. Click the Give Online tab there. You can do your regular online giving. You can do your Lottie Moon Christmas offering giving. Uh, and this will be the last time we're emphasizing this. Beginning Sunday, uh, we'll be emphasizing our uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American Missions. So uh, I do want to encourage you to still give to this to help us finish reaching uh, that goal. We're just right there, and we need that little bit of push uh, to get over. And then also, uh, don't forget our Hoosier One emphasis. We have our cross that's over here behind the screen for those who are in person here. Uh, but we have these down here in front of the pulpit. If you need one of these to get us a prayer request in of an individual that you, you're going to commit to pray for for 30 days, uh, fill that out, tear that piece off, uh, and then you'll be left with a bookmark. Write that person's name on the bookmark and then use the guide that's there. Uh, you can pray through the scriptures there for 30 days uh, for your one. And then also, if you have the Bible app, you can go under the Bible app and we have a Bible reading program uh, uh, plan there uh, that you can click on and, and connect to through the Bible reading app and spend 40 days in a devotional series there as we emphasize the Hoosier One plan throughout the month. Of March and that'll be my sermon series uh, for the month of March so be sure to check that out on the Bible app uh, I think you can also uh, go to Bible uh, bibleapp.com or something like that just research it there in Google you'll find it and there is some things that you can see uh, on a website there so I encourage you to take the time to do that brother Mike's gonna come and lead us in our hymn and so brother Mike. take your hymnals Turn to 206, hymn 206, Blessed Be the Name. Miss Pat. <clears throat> oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, 
Blessed be the name of the Lord, the glories of my God and King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus, the name that calms my fears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His music in the sinner's ears. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He breaks the power of canceled sin. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His blood can make the foulest clean. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I never shall forget that day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus washed my sins away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you. All right. Hopefully you have had the opportunity there to be on our church website and to get uh, your prayer list uh, downloaded. Uh, let me just remind you again, those who may not uh, understand where to do the Bible app, if you just go to your app store, your Google Play store, you can find the Bible, Bible app. It'll just be this brown uh, app that says Holy Bible on it. You touch on it. Uh, when you touch on it after you've logged in and created an account there, uh, you can touch on your account up in the upper right corner. It'll say My Church. You click on My Church and it'll ask you to search for churches that are in your area. Our church will pop up on there and you click it. And then right below our church there is that featured Bible reading plan uh, for the 40-day devotional for who's your one. And so if you ever need help with that, give us a call at the church. We'll be glad to walk you through that uh, and to help you set that up. I uh, see we have eight people already who've uh, done that uh, and you can use that throughout the week to give you a Bible reading plan uh, there. So uh, I'm also looking here on my iPad at Facebook uh, and so I can see uh, those who may be there if you make a comment so be sure to uh, to make your comments there on Facebook uh, as we'll see those there. Uh, so we're going to go down the prayer list here. Um, we'll, we did this a 
week or two ago, uh, went through the whole prayer list. We're going to go through that again. If you have any updates, uh, please stop us. Let us know any updates that you may have uh, and then any additions that we need to make. And we'll do that in the sections there, beginning with the Highland Baptist Church family side. So I want to encourage you to remember Carolyn and S.W. Stone in your prayers. Vicki Boswell. Mike Durham. Remember Arthur Hargrove. Uh, Miss Betsy Farrell. Remember Brother George Duncan. Uh, Miss Leona Ross. I talked with some of the family uh, the other day, and she is doing... Uh, better, uh, so but do keep her in your prayers. So, uh, but we do think things have improved there. We may be able to remove remove her from the list soon. Uh, remember Mark Raymond in your prayers with his ongoing issues. Remember Miss Sandra Wells. She joins us uh, many times there on Facebook. Also, remember Miss Jewel Farrell. Remember Bill Warren. Remember Rick German. Uh, he has got through his surgery, but then hurt his foot, uh, and so he has that. Uh, in a cast brace-like thing to, to brace that. So keep, keep him in your prayers with that. Brian Tate has some medical issues, so keep him in your prayers. Miss Cindy Jordan, as well as Wade Hall. Uh, Brother Jack Doubt uh, is still recovering from his surgery. He usually is watching us online also. And then also remember Miss Marlene Parker, that her cancer is back. She is starting her, uh, has started her treatments, I believe, uh, for radiation treatment. So keep her in your prayers. Brother Roger Williams is recovering at home from his knee replacement surgery. Uh, did well through that. Miss Linda Connor, her surgery went well today and she's at home recovering too. So we praise the Lord for that. And then we have three families there that we especially uh, wanna remember. Of course, we mentioned last week, uh, Miss Imogene's family. So keep her, keep, do keep her in your prayer still uh, in the loss of her daughter, Cindy. But we do wanna remember the family and friends of Brother Marlon Bates, uh, Miss Rosalie Moore, and Myra Watson, and in case you didn't know or remember or get that message, Miss Myra Watson's uh, service will be Friday evening, uh, and then her service will be on Saturday. All of that will be at Tullahoma Funeral Home. Uh, you can see the obituary there and the specifics of the time. I believe it's four to seven or something like that, the same as the other one was, or five to seven uh, for the visitation on Friday evening at Tullahoma Funeral Home. Any other Highland Baptist Church family people or updates or additions. All right, if you look at the friends and family side, we have the people of Ukraine, the Calgary Mission Partnership, Katie Jo Bailey, who has leukemia, Sarah Jernigan, who is the sister of Sherry Jernigan, who was one of our former CDC teachers. Uh, she is in uh, Chattanooga with medical issues and still in an in a induced coma there. Uh, Amanda Harris, uh, who has breast cancer. This is Mark Smith's niece. Greg Renfro, waiting for a kidney transplant. This is the cousin of Bell Royton. Hoyt Farrell, uh, he seems to be doing fairly well, but he is uh, in, the, in a nursing facility over in Manchester, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, Buddy Saunders, who is Charles Saunders' brother. Mamie Thompson, uh, that's Amy Raymond's mom. Tracy Strobe, uh, who's on dialysis. Remember Ryan Bond, Rhonda Morris, who still continues with pain there from, from all of her stuff. She is essentially cancer-free uh, from her last exam, so just keep praying that that will continue to remain uh, the case with her cancer intermission. Remember Lisa Pitts in your prayers, who has medical issues. This is Linda Smith's sister. Remember Herb Taylor, 
who has cancer. Remember Tammy Sparkman, who has bone cancer. This is the daughter, granddaughter of Leona Ross, and she also is still uh, contending with that and will continue with that for uh, some time, and so just keep her in your prayers. Uh, remember Debbie Pancreatitis, or Pancreatus, uh, and her family, uh, who has cancer. Uh, Lauren Lee had asked for prayer for her. Uh, remember Bill Hargrove, this is Ann Smith's father. Uh, he's had ongoing heart issues. Remember Yvonne Ortiz, this was a request from Brian Tate. Christine Cranford, who has skin cancer, a request from Miss Patricia Durham, that's her mother. Uh, remember Charles Blevins. Uh, Kim Tucker, who's a friend of Stan Smith's in the school system in Franklin County, who has cancer. Remember Wilbur Warren, who's the brother of Bill Warren, uh, one of our members has some ongoing respiratory issues. Uh, Charles Miller, uh, who uh, had already his triple bypass and, and uh, things that were going on there, but just continue to remember him in prayer. Remember Linda Ray, uh, who has medical issues. All right, so remember Linda Ray uh, in your prayers. Still, her procedure went well on Monday, and we praise the Lord for that, but still has ways to go there. Remember, if you will, Laura Hendricks. Um, I spoke with Becky, and she's on her last treatment, so praise the Lord for that, and then just pray that uh, as they follow up, uh, that everything, the, the, the treatments that she's had uh, will have worked, and so praise the Lord for that, but just keep her in your prayers. I uh, remember Sandy McKinney, uh, who's a friend of Judy Stockdale's. Andy Taylor, who has cancer, that's Nancy uh, Ritchie's brother. Ricky Hereford, who has radiation treatments, those are still ongoing as he began those the first of the year. Remember Kay Goff, who's a friend of ours who has dementia, and Bill Goff, who has colon cancer, both of those uh, over in North Carolina, there's some friends of ours there. Uh, remember Joanne Woodson, who's recovering from surgery. So they're getting her ready for radiation treatment, so keep her in your prayers as she gets ready to, to proceed with that care. Remember also Madison Barnett with viewing sarcoma cancer, and Angela Wallace with medical issues. Leanne Wells had asked us to add her. Any others on the friends and family side that we need to add tonight or updates that you may have? What's Elisa's last name? Flynn. That's right. And she has what now? Okay. Okay, so, and this is your sister. Okay, so remember Elise Flynn uh, in your prayer. She's having surgery. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, this is the sister of Rima Bell, uh, and she watches us uh, quite regularly too. I see that uh, many times. Any others? All right, as you look at your prayer on the nursing home assisted living list, remember Mary Campbell at NHC, Peggy Eggleston at Life Care of Tullahoma, Miss Bertie Davis at Brookdale, Miss Janet Carter at MacArthur Manor. She usually is listening to us on the phone. Uh, Miss uh, Mr. Floyd Prince and Miss Sue Prince who are at Morning Point, Miss Beverly Daniels who's there at Morning Point also, as well as Susie Barton who is there at Morning Point. So keep all of those in your prayers. Any more additions? Any updates? Okay. 
don't see any on Facebook either. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer for these many prayer requests. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are. So many blessings, Lord, that you give us every day. Lord, you are always watching over us. You are always protecting us. You are the Almighty. You are our fortress and our strength. You are a strong tower that we can run into, Lord. We can seek shelter in your presence. We can find peace in our hearts. Father, I pray tonight as we come before you as a holy and a righteous God. Lord, may we come under the conviction of our sinfulness before you. Lord, we may have committed sins against you and your word that you've specifically told us of things not to do and maybe we have. Maybe not that we physically did it, but maybe we thought it uh, in our minds about doing it. You've told us in your word that uh, when we think of those things, it can even be sin. Lord, we don't want to hold on to any sin in our hearts and lives because we also know from your word that if we hold on to sin, if we uh, regard iniquity within our hearts, you will not hear from heaven. And we want you to hear us tonight, Lord. We want to intercede on behalf of every single person that we've mentioned tonight and many others, maybe even some personal requests that we did not mention tonight. We just want to uplift all of those, Lord, to you. And Lord, we want you to hear our prayers. So forgive us, Lord, of all of our sinfulness. Cleanse us, Lord, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to follow you, to not stray to the left or to the right, but to keep straight on looking towards Jesus Christ and seeking to, to be and emulate him more and more in our lives. And we know that we cannot do that in and of our own selves and our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives. So Lord, as you forgive us, may you enable us, Lord. May you strengthen us. May you renew us in our hearts and our minds to be set on that path of righteousness, following you, obeying you. Lord, we know there are also things that you've uh, commanded us to do that we have not done. Maybe there was an opportunity you brought across our path in this past week. and We knew, Lord, we should have shared, but we didn't. Lord, we know your word tells us to those that know to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. So forgive us of those sins, Lord, where we have failed to obey what you've commanded us to. Lord, as you wash us and cleanse us, may you renew our hearts and our minds. Lord, that we would not even get close to the edge of sinfulness anymore. But Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and in our lives to transform us, to change us, Lord, to make us more complete, more mature, more whole, lacking nothing in our lives. Lord, we come to you tonight to thank you for who you are. Lord, you have always been faithful, even when we have not. You have loved us, God, with a great love in that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, so often by our actions, sometimes by our words, we have brought dishonor. To your name. We have cheapened the grace 
that you've given to us. So cleanse us, Lord. Forgive us of those things. But thank you, Father, for making a way. Thank you for the blood of Christ. Thank you that the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom to give us that access to come boldly before your throne of grace even now. Father, we have mentioned every person by name on this list. You know every person's situation, their life experience, their trouble, their trial that they're going through, and many other things that they may be going through along with that uh, primary need that they have. And so, Father, as we uplift them into your arms, we know that there is nothing, Lord, that is too great for you to handle. So we pray, God, that you would show your power and display your glory in a great and mighty way as you bring healing to these individuals. Lord, we know that you are capable, you are able, and we ask, Lord, for you to divinely touch them and to bring that healing to them. But, Father, we know that there are some who may have to still go through these valleys and trials that they're facing. And so we pray for you to give them the strength, Lord, to endure and to lean upon you rather than their own understanding to acknowledge you, Lord, in all of their ways and let you direct their paths and use these situations that they're going through to be a witness and a testimony to their family members of their faith in you, to those caregivers, those doctors, those nurses that may be caring for them. That, Lord, as they see that individual's faith and see them relying upon you, may it encourage them and be a witness, Lord, to those individuals that they too should trust in you. Lord, we pray tonight for many friends that we have and many family members who don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have many who are on the cross on our stage here that we're praying for who's our one. And Father, I pray that you will continue to burden our hearts for even more. Father, I pray that as uh, we begin this Sunday to pray for those names that are on this cross, to help others who are praying for them to pray for them. Lord, I pray that you would hear our prayers for them and that you would answer those prayers. Lord, that you would send people across their paths to, to show them the love of Jesus Christ, to share with them the gospel message. And Lord, I pray that their friend who has shared their name would be burdened, Lord, to look for those opportunities, whether it's just a small opportunity or whether it's a big opportunity, Lord, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with those people that we're praying for. Father, we expectantly look forward to the answers of prayers of people getting saved, of people being set on the road to discipleship, of people being baptized uh, to follow you. Father, I pray that your will will be done as we continue to uplift those names. Lord, I pray that as we get closer to the, to the Easter season and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, stir our hearts, create an excitement, Lord, within our church to invite our friends, to invite those people who are in our circles of influence, whether it's family members who may not be attending anywhere, uh, maybe it's others who don't know Christ, that they would be able to come and to hear the good news of the gospel message of what you have done for them through Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us, uh, and we pray, God, that you will encourage us and strengthen us and give us the very words to say. And Lord, even if we share with those individuals and we mess it all up, or we at least think we did, Lord, I pray that you would take what we did say and you would help that individual to hear the things that they needed to hear, to remember those things, and use that, Lord, as seed in their hearts to bring them to faith in Christ. Lord, use our feeble attempts even to share the gospel. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit 
will work in their lives. Knowing, Lord, that salvation is not of our own effort. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Our responsibility is to share, so give us that boldness to share. And Father, we pray tonight as we continue in the book of Malachi, this last book of the Old Testament, this last of the minor prophets. Father, I pray that this message through Malachi would resonate and speak to our hearts even today. Where we are in our culture, where we are in the church, maybe even where we are in our own lives personally. And Father, I pray that you will help us to see the application that we need to apply for our lives, to be all that you would have us to be, living to be the Christian we need to be. Lord, recognizing any sin that may be in our hearts, Lord, that we may correct those things by coming in repentance before you and asking for your cleansing and your forgiveness. So bless us, Lord. Make this word powerful. Make it alive sharper than any two-edged sword. Use it in our hearts, Lord, to renew our minds, to renew our bodies in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. We'll take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Malachi. Malachi, if you don't remember, is right before the book of Matthew. So if you can find the New Testament, it's one book back. Uh, I've entitled this message tonight, Dishonoring God's Name. Dishonoring God's Name. And that's what we're seeing here uh, with Malachi. He has uh, been directing his message in uh, verses 1 down through verse 5, uh, reminding the people that he has loved them. And you remember last week, or a couple of weeks, yeah, last week we talked about that, how they began to ask, well, how have you loved us? Uh, because they were looking at it from the perspective, you didn't give me what I wanted, so that, that means you must not love me. And we see far from that is the truth. And so uh, as we come to this part tonight, Malachi's message from God, uh, the prophet of God here, begins to shift a little bit more, uh, to begin to get a little bit more focused to the main point of, of where the issues are here with uh, God's people in his day. And we see that he begins to direct his message to the priests. That sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? I mean, because you would think that the message needs to go out there to the heathens, to those who are, who are without, who are outside the, the family of God. But now Malachi directs this message especially to the priests in these next verses, who instead of living an exemplary life, they were themselves guilty of breaking the very laws that they themselves were to be obeying and teaching as an example to the people. Uh, they, the way they were serving the Lord was a disgrace to his name. And so when, we, when we've got this title before us, dishonoring God's name, understand that's not just what we may say with our mouth. It's not just uh, taking the name of the Lord in vain with our lips. It's dishonoring his name with our actions, with our, our lives. And in fact, that's what the priests were doing here. The very actions they were doing, the way they were serving the Lord was being a disgrace to his name. Now, eight times in this section you will find the phrase, my name, my name, my name, my name. We talked about this before. When you're looking at scripture and you're studying scripture and you see something that's repeated, it's repeated to give emphasis there. 
You need to pay attention to those words. So anytime you see those kinds of words repeated, it refers here, the words my name, refers to the very character, the very reputation of God. Uh, so it's not just his name or, or variations of his name like Elohim or Jehovah or El Shaddai or those things. It's talking about who his character is and who his reputation is. So the priests who were the religious leaders were supposed to be honoring God's name, yet they were disgracing God's name before the people and before the Lord. The priests were supposed to be God's children, and yet they were not honoring the Father. They were called to be God's servants, and they were not showing respect to the Master. When Malachi confronts them, we're going to see here that the priests arrogantly ask, remember the, they asked questions before, how have you, you say that you've loved us, Lord, but how have you loved us back in verse 2? In verse 6, they're going to ask, how have we despised your name? And so he tells them. To begin with, they were offering defiled sacrifices on the altar. That's what we see in verse 6 down to verse 14. They were offering defiled sacrifices on the altar. So let's read verse 6 down through verse 8 to kind of give us the setting of what's happening here in this passage. A son honors his father and a servant his master. So you could stop right there for just a moment and see here is the responsibility of children. In fact, it's part of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? You're to honor your father and your mother. But not only physically are you to honor your physical mother and father, you are to honor God, your father. In fact, that's the first four commandments and what they are about is about your honoring of the father God. So he says in the message here to, to give a play on this, a son is to honor his physical father. And just like he's to honor his physical father, you're to honor God the father. Just like a servant is to honor his master. In other words, the servant's not the one in, the, in control. It's not the servant who says, this is what we're going to do today. It's the master who says, here's what I need you to do as the servant, and as the servant, you do it. As Christians, all throughout the New Testament, we read over and over and over and over that we as Christians are to be servants of the Lord. We're not the master. He's the master. And so he begins and says, a son honors his father and a servant, his master. He says then, if then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? Here's how you've done it. By, the, by offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By, here's how you've polluted me, he says, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? We're going to come back to that to kind of understand the setting and the culture of what that would have implied there 
and, and how God is saying to them, that's something evil to do. You're offering blind animals in sacrifice. Is that not evil? That may not compute for us. That may not mean much for us in our culture, in our day, and removed from the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, but there's a definite application there for you. He says, he goes on to say, not only when you offer those blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor, he says. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? So let's pick that apart uh, to, to look at first. So as you look at these verses here, uh, and he's talking about here uh, bringing this food, bringing bread before uh, the Lord. It means food there. It refers to the sacrifices that are provided in the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 1 through 7. How many of you have ever done a Bible study through the book of Leviticus? We might have read through it, but to hear a sermon preached through it or to do a Bible study is rare. Uh, there are a few chapters that are great chapters uh, to preach in the book of Leviticus, but there's a lot in there that you're like, what are we going to get out of that? How, what does that mean for me? It's a lot of ceremonial laws, a lot of the sacrificial system there. Well, when we come to this, he's saying to them, it's referring here to the sacrifices provided in the law of Moses in Leviticus 1 through 7. These animals that were to be sacrificed, chapter 1 through chapter 7 in Leviticus, gives this description here and talks about how these animals were to be perfect. There was to be nothing imperfect that could be brought to the altar of God and accepted. You may think, man, that's a high bar. Nothing imperfect. I mean, when you look at an animal, you look at a sheep, you look at whatever the animal might be that's being brought, whether it's a, a dove in some sacrifices that would be offered, uh, whether it's the, the sheep or whether it's a lamb, uh, the, the, the calf that's brought or whatever it might be, nothing imperfect could be brought to the altar of God and accepted. Because think about it. After all, these sacrifices were to be a picture of the Lamb of God who would one day come, who would one day die for the sins of the world. And so if these sacrifices were imperfect, how could they illustrate or represent the perfect sacrifice of the Son of God? So in short, these priests were permitting people to bring God get this, less than their best. These priests were allowing them to bring less than their best. If they had offered, think about it, that's what he goes on to say here. Why don't you take that sacrifice, why don't you take that animal over to the governor and give it to him and see what happens. Off of your head. What a pitiful offering, a pitiful gift to bring to the governor, to bring him something that was imperfect. He would have rejected them. But the animals, they're looking at him and saying, oh, that's good enough for the Lord. That's good enough for the Lord. Because these priests had forgot what was written in their own law in Leviticus chapter 22 and verse 20 that says this, you shall not offer anything. 
that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. So let's bring some application to this. What does this say to those who profess to be Christians and yet maybe they spend hundreds of dollars annually, maybe thousands on gifts for themselves, for their family, for their friends, but they give very little to God. Or maybe they buy themselves something new and they say, you know, that old thing I had there that I'm replacing, I'll give that to the church. I'll give that to God. And we give him less than our best. Our offerings to God, here's a truth we need to learn from this. Our offerings to God are an indication of what's in our heart. Our offerings to God are an indication of our, that, that, that is whether we are giving our, our treasures or whether we're giving our time Maybe in our time, we're giving God the leftovers of our time rather than giving him the first of our time. Or maybe it's in our talents that we're giving God the leftovers of our talent and we're, we're, when we should be giving him the first of our talents. Our offerings to God are an indication of what's in our hearts. Here's what Matthew 6 verse 21 says over in the New Testament. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So people who claim to love the Lord and to love his work can easily prove it. Pull out your checkbook. Pull out your bank statement. That's one way you can show it. You know, giving is a grace. And if we've experienced the grace of God ourselves as New Testament believers then you ought not to have any problem giving generously to the Lord who has given so much to us to give him the best because God gave you his best, his only begotten son who died on the cross for our sins. How can we go to God in prayer and ask him to be gracious to us and answer our prayers? if we ourselves have not been showing grace towards others and showing grace towards him. Look at verse 9. He says, And now entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. If you bring that poor, pitiful, lame animal over here as a sacrifice, why don't you come and entreat the Lord of that? He already said here about the governor, why don't you take that to the governor? Now he says, if you entreat favor of God, you're asking God to be favorable, to bless you. When you've not been a blessing yourself, Giving is a grace, and if we've experienced that grace, we ought to show that grace. Malachi told those, those disobedient priests that it would, notice what he goes on to say here. He says, if you brought that gift with your hand, would God show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Verse 10, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering. 
from your hand. Do you know what he's saying here to these priests? He's saying to them, it would be better for you if you just close the doors of the temple and stop the sacrifices altogether than to continue practicing this kind of hypocrisy. He was saying it would be better if there were no religion at all than to have a religion that fails to give God the very best. So if our concept of God is so low that we think that he's pleased with our cheap, half-hearted worship, then we don't know the God of the Bible. In fact, a God who encourages us to do less than our best is a God who isn't worthy of our worship. Notice verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 11 tells us that in Malachi's day, as he's bringing this message to the Jewish people, there was a place the Gentiles could come, but it was outside in the, in the court of the Gentiles. And he's saying here that there's going to come a day when the Gentiles, they're going to worship God and they're going to magnify his great name. Malachi was looking ahead to the time when the message of salvation would be taken to the nations. And beyond that, he, was, he, he saw the establishing of the kingdom of God on the earth when the Gentiles would, as Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3 says, they would flow into it. Verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 2 says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established at the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem you think about God's call to Abraham it involved, if you remember, we're going through the book of Genesis on Sunday nights. <clears throat> the call of Abraham involves the Jewish people becoming a blessing to the whole earth. In fact, you see that over and over in the promises. It's reminded to Abraham and then to Isaac and again to Jacob and, and, and then again even uh, to Joseph. It's reminded of us there in the, in the promise there that the whole purpose God is blessing them for is so they can be a blessing to the nations by eventually bringing the Messiah into this world. And, and so uh, they were to be a blessing to the whole earth, just like, just like his call to the church. To us as New Testament believers involves us taking the gospel to all the nations. Notice what else was happening in verse 12 through verse 14. The priests even allowed the people to cheat on their vows. Now think of a vow as a promise, a pledge. You make a pledge to the Lord, you make a promise to the Lord. Verse 12. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit that is its food may be despised but you say 
What a weariness this is. And you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Do you get the picture of what he's saying is happening here? He's saying here's a guy who comes to bring his offering and he comes bringing this cheap imitation when he's got the genuine thing back over here. He's got the best animal back over here in his flock and he doesn't bring the best. He says, I'll bring this little lame one over here. I don't need that one anyway. I'll give that one to the Lord. Curse be the cheat who has a male in his flock and he pledges it, he promises it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. He says, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. So if a person promised God a sacrifice, but they brought this animal that was sick and blemished, the priests, you know what they were doing? Oh, that's okay, we'll take it. Even though that person had a perfect animal back home. Now, you may think that's no big deal. Maybe he was showing grace or mercy to them. They're poor or something. When the Mosaic Law vows were purely voluntary. In other words, the emphasis of this is someone has made a promise to the Lord, I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to serve you with all my heart. But I give you my leftover. I give you a half heart. Those vows were purely voluntary, but once they were made, those vows were to be binding. If the governor wouldn't accept that cheap offering back in verse 8, notice what he says in verse 14. He says, I'm a great king. Why would the great king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords accept a cheap substitute? God is a great king, and he deserves what is best that we bring to that, to him, that to him. What we promise, we have to perform. You know, all too often we find ourselves in a troublous situation, and what do we say? Lord, get me out of this, and I will do X, Y, Z. And as soon as we're out of it, we forget X, Y, Z. And we don't give God the best. Why did the priests deliberately obey their own law? Why did they pollute the altar of the Lord and encourage the people to worship God in this cheap, careless manner? Well, for one thing, the priests themselves weren't giving God their best. So why make a greater demand on the people than what they are giving? Hosea chapter 4 verse 9 says, like people, like priests. Jeremiah 5, verse 30 and verse 31 says, An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. But what will you do when the end comes? So understand this. No ministry, no service in ministry ever rises any higher than its leaders. There was another reason why they blemished, these blemished sacrifices were being accepted. If you go back to look at what, were to, what was to happen with these sacrifices when they were offered to the Lord, the priests and, the fam and their families were fed from the meat 
off of the altar. And the priests, they wanted to make sure we've got food on the table at our house. Because when you look at what was going on in the economy at that time, it was bad. Taxes were high, money was scarce, only the most devoted Israelite would bring a perfect animal to the Lord. So the priests, they settled for less than best, and they encouraged the people to bring whatever was available. A sick animal, they, they rationalized in their mind, he's gonna die anyway. So the people might as well give him to the Lord. But they forgot what 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 says, to obey is better than the sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. That's the first thing we see that Malachi tells us. The second is this, is that the priests dishonored God's name in another way. They despised the very privilege of being priests. So look at chapter 2. Chapter 2 goes on to say, and now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, there's that emphasis of my name again, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring. I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. They were taking for granted the high calling that God had given them and treating the temple ministry with contempt. They were serving, that serving at the altar to them was a job, not a ministry. And they did it to please themselves and not to please and to glorify God. Unfortunately, that same attitude is found many times in the church today. God warned them, notice, that he would curse their blessings. He would curse Israel's blessings if they didn't start doing the will of God from the heart and giving him their best. In fact, he goes on to say, your crops have already been ruined by devouring insects. You can find that over in chapter 3 and verse 1. But he says to them even then, but things can get worse than that. If you don't listen right now, it's going to get worse. God warned that he would curse the very seed that was planted so that it would never germinate, never produce a harvest since the law gave the priests and the Levites the tithe of the produce. Ruined crops would mean empty tables. If people had no offering to bring, the priests are going to have to do without. Now it's possible also that the word seed in Malachi chapter 2 verse 3 may refer to their children. Because it was also important that the Jewish people have children in order to preserve the nation. But God could prevent even the human seed from being productive. Another way of looking at it is that God would turn, uh, would turn their children who should be a blessing into a burden and a curse. It would be painful not to have children. It, but it would also be painful to have children who broke your heart every day and created grief in the home day after day. Then he goes on there and says in verse 3, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring, your seed, and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. What in the world is he talking about there? Not a pretty picture. 
What he's saying here is that the waste of these sacrifices that was to be taken outside the camp and burn, that's where it was to be taken, but God is going to use it to humiliate the priests, and it's going to be like he's going to wipe their noses in the manure of those sacrifices. Gross. This would make the priests unclean. Wow. What means when they're unclean? They can't serve anymore for, for a period of time. So it would make them unclean, so they would have to leave the camp. In short, here's what God was saying to them. He was saying to them, you're treating me with disrespect, so I'm going to treat you like you're treating me. I'm going to treat you like garbage. You don't value the priestly ministry, so why should you even be in office? I'm going to smear your noses in it, and you're going to have to go outside the camp, and you're not going to be able to serve. The priests took their privileges for granted. They forgot the gracious covenant of God that he had made with them through Aaron. And verse 4 goes on to say, So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. That covenant he had made with Aaron for, for the Levites. And with Aaron's grandson, Phineas. It was a great privilege to be a priest. It was a great privilege to serve at the altar, to minister in the temple, and to teach the law to the people. He says, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name, my character, my reputation. priests, they had no fear of God. They treated the sacred as if it were common things because their hearts weren't right with God. What the priests were doing was not ministry. It was only ritual. It was empty religious formality, and that disgusted God. Here's the third thing and final thing that he points out. There was a third sin. They turned away from God's law. Look at verse 6 and verse 7. He says, True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So what he's describing here is what the priest was supposed to be. The perfect servant of God, truth on his lips, obedience in his walk, fellowship with God, a burden uh, to bring others to the Lord, a passion to share God's word with those who needed to hear it. But the priests weren't following that pattern. They were following their own ways. Deuteronomy 33.10 says this, they shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and hold burnt offerings on your altar. That's what the law said the priests should be doing, but the priests weren't even obeying the law themselves. Jeremiah 5.31 says that the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? What would we do when the end comes? It was bad enough that the priests were disobeying the law, but they were causing others to stumble as well. For the lips of a priest, verse 7 said, should guard knowledge and the people should seek instruction from his mouth for he's the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Verse 8 says, but you have turned aside from the way. 
You have caused many to stumble by your instructions. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Just like the Pharisees that Jesus describes in the New Testament, they were causing others to stumble as well. Just uh, they were toxic. They they were defiled. They were defiling everything and everybody that they touched. You see, a false minister is an awful weapon in the hands of Satan. Ecclesiastes nine verse eighteen says, "One sinner destroys much good." Because they had showed partiality in the way they applied. God's truth, verse 9 says, And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. They had disobeyed God and they had harmed his people. So whether as a pastor or as a missionary or as a teacher or as a choir member or as an usher, as a Sunday school teacher, as a deacon, whatever you might be serving the Lord with, being a servant of God is to be a serious thing and it deserves the very best that we can give. God calls these hypocritical priests, as he said in chapter 2 and verse 9, he says, and so I make you despised. I'm going to make you abased. I'm going to bring you down before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but you show partiality in your instruction. See, the priests, they wanted to be popular. They even twisted the law to gain friends. But the people had no respect for them. The leaders, leaders with integrity, the leaders with character will have their enemies. But they will still gain the respect of the people. We, as any kind of servant in the church, or even a church leader, we need to practice what we preach. We say one thing with our lips. Are we doing it with our lives? Be careful lest we dishonor the name of God. We call ourselves Christians. What does that mean? That means we profess to be like Christ. Like Christ, but lesser than. Is that the character and the nature of your life? When others in your circles of influence look at you, what do they see? Who do they see? Do they see you? Do they see your cheap offerings? Or do they see Jesus Christ who gave his all? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. What a powerful, powerful message that you use Malachi to bring to the people here and so relevant to us today. Because so often, Lord, we do exactly this very thing. We give you less than our best. Whether that's in our time, whether that's in our talents, whether that's in our treasures, we give you many times the leftovers. Father, I pray that would no longer be the characteristic of our lives. We've heard your word. Those who have been watching and listening uh, online and on our phone live streaming have heard your word. Lord, I pray that we would fall under the conviction of the Holy Spirit to, to think about what are we doing with our lives. Am I giving God my very best? Father, I pray that we would be spent for you. We would give it all for you. That when we come to the end of our lives, we come to the end of our days, we can look back over the span of our history and to be able to realize in our hearts, I did all I was supposed to do. 
I said everything I was supposed to say. I gave all I was supposed to give. I served where I was supposed to serve. I shared with others when I was supposed to share. Lord, forgive us for where we have not done that yet. And Lord, may you empower us with the power of your Holy Spirit because we know we cannot do it in and of ourselves. We cannot live a perfect, sinless life. Only Jesus Christ can do that. That's why we need you. That's why we need Christ in our lives. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you would stir our hearts to a more faithful walk with you. Let it begin, Lord, by trusting in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. What a powerful message there in Malachi. I encourage you to, to take some time and even study ahead. Uh, and Malachi will be back there next Wednesday night uh, in chapter 2 and verse 10. But thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to seeing you Sunday at 1015 uh, for, uh, well, 915 for our Sunday school, 1030 for our worship. If you can come and join us in person, we'd love to have you be here in person with us. If you cannot be here in person with us, uh, we encourage you to tune in there online on all those different platforms. Uh, again, if you need the number for the phone live streaming, because uh, there are many people who don't have the internet or don't know how to use that, uh, all this is is just calling a 1-800 number. There's no extra fee for that. Uh, it calls you, and it'll automatically call you after you've called in the first time. Uh, we can set it up on our side also to be able to, to make it call you, and, and then it'll call you every Sunday. But uh, Tune in with us there online if you have to. We'll see you this Sunday. You have a blessed week, a safe week, and we'll see you then. Thank you.